Hi, my name is Neil Brennan. You may recognize this voice is from the new Samsung ad. The Samsung wait, Samsung the, Galaxy Tab Pro. The Samsung. <clears throat> nope. Damn you got to get the gravel, bro. You got to go down, and you got to the Sam's. When I LeBron, heard that, wow, that was good. But when yeah. I heard that Neil Brennan, the guy who has the vocal doppelganger closest to the vocal vocal doppelganger, got the Samsung contract. Yeah, it was so painful. To see your Dude, success. But if I die, success. if I die, you're the, you, they know about it. That's you. in the clause? Yeah. That's in the contract? Cool. <laughs> no, it's actually that they don't go to you. That's, that was my only deal point. <laughs> I'm X'd out. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do. Um, yeah, to buy, get a Samsung. I don't even have to say that. I got no dates other than um, Sunday show, Santa Monica, come see me and watch my special somewhere, wherever you can. iTunes, Netflix. Not Netflix. Comedy Central, etc. And go into a Samsung store and ask. Go into a Samsung store. Ask about me. Ask, ask about Neil. Uh, hey, it's Moshe Kasher. I'm going to be at the Madison in Madison, Wisconsin, at the Comedy Club on State, February 27th through March 1st, 6th through the 8th of March. I'll be in Charlotte, North Carolina, at the Comedy Zone, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Me, Natasha Legero, Tom Lennon in New Orleans at One Eyed Jacks. That should be fun. And then the weekend after that, Laugh Boston in Boston, Massachusetts. Wyatt, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to be at a Metro PCS store in Brooklyn right, working, selling me a working on a screenplay because <laughs> they got uh, it's a mobile hotspot. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Free Wi-Fi in That's the Metro great. PCS. That is fucking fantastic. All right. Well, if you don't got he has he, he he's being bashful. He has an album coming out. I have an album coming out in April. April 17th. What's uh, the name April of it? 19th. I think. April 19th. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's live in Brooklyn. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, in slum national underground thunder pals when I stop the ground. Like a million elephants, a silverback orangutans, you can't stop a train. Who wants some? Don't come unprepared. I'll be there, but when I leave there, better be a household name. Weather man telling us it ain't gonna rain. So now we sitting in a drop top soaking wet. In a silk suit trying not to sweat. In somersaults without the net. But this will be the year that we won't forget. One nine, nine, nine. I don't know I mean. anything goes. Be what you wanna be. Long as you know consequences are given for living the fences. Too hot to jump in jail. Too low to dig, I might just touch hell. Hot, get a life, not ain't gonna say. Then I might catch you a spell. Look at what came in the mail. A scale as arm and hammer. So go grilling a baby mama. Black hair lacking a pack of peppers. Stack of questions with no answers. Cure for cancer, cure for AIDS. Make a nigga wanna stay on tour for days. Get back home. Things are wrong. When not really, it was bad all along before you left ass up to a ball of power. Thoughts at a thousand miles per hour. Hello, ghetto. Let your brain breathe. Believe there's always more. <laughs> Don't pull the thing out unless you plan the bang. Now you're fucking with the champs. Yeah, back we are again, back. guys. Get a Samsung. It's just um, you've got to stop. Still, I'm not getting the, any money. No, Galaxy Note three with S Pen. The, they were good spots. Man. They were good but spots. Don't yeah. bring that shit to the champs. I'm not going to sully that by Mr. Unless, Samsung. Yeah, unless they step up. Yeah, and sponsor this yeah. podcast. Uh, our, our guest today. It's yes. the champs podcast, ladies and gentlemen. You're tuned in. Yeah, of course yeah, you yeah. are. You know that. Yeah, you don't, know that. Come on, don't cut me off. Let me do my thing. Because I, you get radioy up top. I know that's the structure that we do. We I know, but I don't think dates. people start, are dying this for is, radio. This I think is the they way they come here to get away from radio. This is the way that it works. We start the thing, and you go, yeah, and yep, then we talk about true. dates. You always go first. Yeah. Then you play some music. I never know what music you're going to play right? until you never I know. actually download the podcast right. because you've never allowed me any creative input. That maybe is a little bit untrue, and then. I start radio-y, just so people know where they're at, and then we have a great conversation. 
you're tuned into the Champs Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. You'll say it's their favorite podcast. It's the Drive Time yeah. 404. Uh, it's the, with all the wax. Our guest um, today. Our guest today is a uh, old friend. Funny uh, man. From never in L.A. Never in L.A.? We're, we're lucky to have you. Uh, used to live here. We'll get into that. You know him from The Daily Show. You might know him from his Comedy Central special. He's got a new album coming out. It's exciting stuff. Live from Brooklyn. It's on vinyl, guys. Got to get a record player. This thing's going to cost you upwards of $200 if you don't have a... <laughs> 200 to... 200 get, to 2000 Yeah. Well, yeah. You could if you get you could get the one at Urban Outfitters. It's like the... You get the cheap one. one. But yeah. I feel like if you're going to get a record player, you also want the two amps and... Yeah. You want a serious... You're going for like a very specific audience. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going... <laughs> I.e. no audience. I'm going artisanal. I'm yeah. going <laughs> Brooklyn artisanal with yeah. it. Yeah. This is a craft... This is a craft album. That yeah. deep... That deep, beautiful voice you're hearing is Wyatt Sinek, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Say hello. Yeah, hi, Wyatt's here. Hello. <clears throat> All right, that so... That wasn't a uh, command. I was, that was sort of a conceptual <laughs> say hello audience. Oh. I, I, don't, I didn't want to command you to say hello. I'm sorry. I mean, it felt it's a fine. little rude. It already happened. happened. It's my bad. I apologize. Uh, where do we begin with you? I, we can get into what we were talking about earlier, later on. Uh, well, right. I can tell you my first experience with you. All uh, right. Because I th- always think it's a, it's a great showbiz story. We were doing a Montreal callback at the Laugh Factory. We're at the Laugh Factory offices here today. First of all, it was such a nightmare on so many levels. I remember we were about half... I don't know if you were in the second half or the first. But I remember what happened to you. But about the halfway point, the manager comes back to all of us who are doing Montreal callbacks. Big, big moment in our lives. And says, uh, Joe Coy has to go on and he's got to do 40 minutes. So we're cutting everybody's sets to three minutes. And it was just like, it was so mind-boggling. Were you, do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. Well, and not just that. At some point, I think they even said, we're going to drop you down to like one minute. <laughs> just so that Joe Coy, did, who's but a, did, a resident here, yeah, the, shows every yeah. single night. Well, what's crazy is Joe Coy ended up leaving Jamie for management. And then Jamie was so mad at him that he was mad at Joe Coy. And so he wouldn't use Delia at the Laugh Factory. And I had to recommend. I was like, "You should use Delia. He's really good." And Jamie's like, "I don't know, buddy. I don't." Know that. And then finally, now Delia's on every show doing. Now he bumps people for forty minutes. Just the idea that he needed to do forty. Yeah, it's important. He couldn't do thirty. No, so that we could actually have the biggest moment in our career up until that point. <laughs> Joe Coy wouldn't let me go on to test to practice for a Fallon set two nights before I had to do Fallon. He wouldn't let me go on at the la- at the uh, improv, and I and I don't. I would say I don't hold many grudges. I think we all know I do. Uh, uh, that is on my list of of don't. He's on my was, don't bother list. That was a weird one because it didn't even seem like he needed to go on. I'm sure he didn't even at all. Yeah, I, no I one, never blamed him. Actually, I always blamed the management. But yeah, maybe now I, I blame him. Yeah, I absolutely he, blame him. He was a, he was a surprise drop in. So it was the place was already packed out, and people they either knew they were coming for a showcase or they knew yeah. they were coming for. You know, it was whatever, like a Friday or Saturday night. And right. they knew they were coming for a show and the place was packed out. Then Wyatt takes the stage. He's doing fine. Everything's going fine. Oh, the funny part was she goes, you've got to cut you down to two minutes. And then everybody, it was a very empowering moment yeah. for me. Because I'd never, I was still in the timid, afraid of Booker's stage at that point. Everybody looked at each other and just went, you remember? Yeah. Fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. It was like the first time I yeah. had ever thought, like, yeah. fuck a Booker. I'm doing what I want. 
It Did was, you guys yeah. say that out loud? Yeah, we were just like, it, absolutely, we're all ignoring Well, it's that. weird that yeah. they would, like, the guy from Montreal, if it was Robbie, would be like, that's fine, everyone can do two minutes. <laughs> I like, doubt he even knew. It was, I, yeah. No, I don't even think the bookers were there. They were recording everything. Ah, uh, got it. So there was a camera that was recording everything. But, yeah, I remember that moment where the showroom manager walked away and we were all kind of like, are we going to listen to that? Like, this is <laughs> right. our yeah. big moment to yeah. do something. This is our, like, a big showcase. And everyone was kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to do that if you're not going to do that. And it was this united yeah, front. Like, completely. That's great. Felt empowered to to defy And you role. guys all did two minutes and 15 seconds. That's right, man. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> but you, the listeners have to understand, like, when you're a younger comic, like, the idea of even one comedy club like defying them is like a, it's like foreign, a quarter of yeah. your diet. Yeah, it's a it's a foreign concept. You just think. Well, I never did the Laugh Factory. I never. I could never get up at the Laugh Factory. So for me, there was also a part of it where I I was thinking, oh, if I have a good set, totally, I could come here because I was mainly just at the Improv and I'd occasionally go to the store, but I never went to the Laugh Factory. And so it was. Oh, okay, this is cool. This is my first time at the Laugh Factory. If I impress them, maybe right. I even if I don't get Montreal, maybe I could come back here. And then for them to say, "Oh yeah, if you if you don't do three minutes, uh, we're gonna be very upset with you." It's so crazy. So then, Wyatt takes the stage. He's doing great, and then somebody just starts heckling you, right? I mean, just starts yelling for no reason. Yeah, but it was the most bizarre thing. A guy is in the balcony and leans over and just yells out, if I kick your ass, I'll make you famous. Yeah, I remember that. That's right. And a- apropos of nothing. Yeah, there was nothing that It wasn't that. Floyd Mayweather or something? It wasn't like somebody... Well, maybe it was. I'm just saying, why it wasn't up there going like, yeah, look like, at these it wasn't, You weren't doing yeah. violent comedy? No. It was just doing or a set. begging to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do to be famous that yeah. you weren't doing that bit. I, just, I wish somebody had a suggestion. I am yeah. taking brainstorming. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have an idea. So, yeah, right. And I remember very clearly you just go, do you realize this is like one of the biggest moments in my career that you're ruining right now? And I don't think... The Did guy- he? I, he doesn't sound like a very empathetic guy. No, but then I wound up talking through his logic because I was like... Well, wait, though, what if he does kick my ass and yeah. that makes me famous? And I started just kind of talking the whole thing through of like, oh, yeah, maybe some cameras pick it up and I lose my teeth, but I'll be like <laughs> the funny guy with no teeth that everybody wants. Oh, gummy. And I and I wound up talking this through and I remember people in the crowd were digging it and my whole set just got derailed. And the yeah. second half of my set was just dealing with that. Yeah. And, and then just kind of talking. I think somebody else up front even said something i think they may have even said something earlier before that guy said something but you want to know i have a secret that i've never told you you know who that guy was it was joe coy why it was joe coy shadow boxing up top what why so then i don't think either of us went to montreal that year no but joe coy did though probably did and he triumphed he did a show called 40 minutes and 40 minutes well i remember somebody came up to me afterwards and they they said because I was I was bummed out and they were I think trying to make me feel better and they were saying, no, you know what it's what's actually kind of good about that is they're gonna see you in the moment and they see yeah. how in the moment I wouldn't you just, I actually I don't I don't think that's wrong you know what I mean like if you're funny it's like it's not the best but it's 
the second best yeah. thing that could happen if you get thrown some shit and then um, you can re- rebound. But needless to say, Montreal didn't think that. Yeah, but well, you know, yeah. but then my my point of all of that is the next thing I heard about you. I mean, I know you, but the next thing, uh, next bump that I heard was that you were on the Daily Show, and I just it, it's one of these another one of these moments in you know show business where you go, oh, I thought that was the thing. It turns out that thing that I thought was everything. Also, I didn't go to Montreal that year. Was nothing. It just was right. some dumb experience, some dumb moment in a person's life that you know. Yeah. Oh no, it is. It's. I feel like there are all those weird showcases, especially living out here. You would, oh, here's a showcase to do, or here's CBS would have the diversity showcase, and they tell you how important it was and how they yeah. bring all these agents and managers and producers from all these CBS shows, and none of those people fucking show up. And yeah. But you go in thinking, oh, this will be my thing, and I I did it, and it didn't do anything. But then I got the Daily Show, and then they would put out press releases that said, "Oh, he has seen." Yeah, he did the diversity <laughs> showcase, uh. and Nassim Pedrad had done it the year before me, and I knew Nassim. And Nassim, Nassim got SNL around the same time I got the Daily Show, and so I remember somebody from the diversity showcase contacted me, uh, someone who was applying to get in it, and they were like. Was, was this really helpful? Because, I mean, you got Daily Show, and I, and I was like, it wasn't. I didn't get the Daily Show because that CBS Diversity Showcase. Don't be fooled. Nothing's really helpful directly other than just, like, cumulative effect. I find yeah. – I do find, like or, – Or white hot luck. Yeah, or, li- or like, uh, I did, when I did Montreal two years ago, it was the first time people were like, oh. Like, it was a bit of, like, a coming out. But it's like, did I come out? At age 38, <laughs> right. after doing a bunch of other shit in comedy, where they're like, oh, you're a good comedian. So there is, but that wasn't like planned. It was also right. like a shitty midnight show in Montreal. People were like, oh, all right. But yeah, I don't think that there is like a, you do this, and then this is going to happen. Right. It's all accidental. I was yeah. so desperate when I was a young comic that I went out for one of those diversity <laughs> showcases based on some very spurious, my parents are deaf. Okay. And I thought, like, well, I mean, that all kind of <laughs> there's something there, and the woman it's a minor thing. There's a lot the of woman literally pulled me aside, and she's just like, "Hey, I think you're funny. What you do not belong here. Why are you doing this?" <laughs> I was just like, oh, "Yeah, you fair, okay." You know, Dove Davidoff used to do. Uh, there was a when he lived in New York, uh, a comedy club in New York did a Puerto Rican night, and he would go on it as Dove Dominguez. Come on, really? I swear to God. He would change his name to Duff Domingo. Because <laughs> he has a Puerto Rican energy to him. Totally. And it was like, all right. And they bought it. He just he needed the stage time, so he changed his name. Uh, he took on a, a, state, a whole different act for Duff Domingo. It's a lot of Spanish punchlines. Kidding. Um, all right. So, Wyatt, you were, where are you from? I was born in New York, uh, but I grew up in Texas. Okay. You're born in New York. Uh, when did you move to Texas? Uh, I was probably about... Five, I think. I think eighty-one. Or something. And your dad is black. Your mom is white. Correct? Uh, no, my mom is black. My dad is black from Grenada. Boom in your face! Wow. Neil. Yeah, that's black from Grenada, Neil. meaning islandy or West Indian. West Indian guy. Yeah. Have you uh, been there? I, I've never been to Grenada. I've been to Trinidad. My stepfather is from Trinidad, so I went to Trinidad. I think when I was thirteen for a funeral. Uh, 
And your parent, okay, your parents split up when you were a kid, and you moved with your mom to Texas, right? Yeah, uh, parents split up when I was about a year old, and yeah, then my mother remarried. And, and this is maybe one of the most interesting uh, father stories we've ever had on the Champs. Tell people where what happened to your father. Where what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Tell them where your father is today. Uh, my father is dead. Uh, my father was murdered. He was a New York City cab driver, and he took a fare up to Harlem, and uh, they shot him. And it was uh, two guys. They they uh, they shot him. I think the car lost control, flipped across uh, Lenox, and uh, yeah. Did they get out of the car? Or they got? Did the guys? They were out of the car, and then I guess as they were sort of trying to rob him, he pulled away. Some, it seemed. It sounds yeah. like something like that happened. It's. It's all really weird. I just. I just got to see the police file of it and everything. The witness statements are all kind of like, yeah, we heard gunshots, and then the car. We see a car sort of hit, go across the. Uh, median and flip over and uh yeah nobody i don't think anybody really saw from start to finish was it it was late at night it was yeah like eleven thirty. and how old were you that was 1980 so i was i was about four so you didn't even have any real context like you were too young to even really i was too young to know exactly what happened i remember i remember as a kid going to clean out his apartment and i have i have like a memory of that and not totally understanding what it was and thinking he would come back and so i left something behind thinking like oh he'll he'll come get it and like he'll want this it's our thing and so i left like a toy behind so i didn't totally i didn't totally understand it so that's that's the the direct kubler ross stages of grief right there is like bar is denial. It's just straight denial. Like, no, he's coming back. He's gonna come and get this toy. That's also about as sad an image <laughs> as I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, you could not write a scene with a sadder image than a young Wyatt. I imagine that you were very cute. I was adorable. I can't. still had a full beard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, full beard. Oh, did I say adorable? Throw. I meant terrifying. I was a terrifying <laughs> yeah. baby. I was a little wolf baby. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, and how did you? When did it dawn? Like, did it? Was your mom remarried by that point? Were you guys? She was already remarried, and so, yeah, she she'd remarried probably, maybe like a year or two after they split up. So she remarried quick, and then yeah, my at some point, me and uh, me and my mother, and my stepfather, I guess we'd moved to Texas, and. So yeah, it must have been. We must have moved to Texas in eighty, and then that was eighty one. So yeah, I think that was the timeline or something like that. And you were you close with them before you left? My dad. Yeah. Yeah. My dad. My dad and my maternal grandmother stayed close even after my parents split up. And Got so it. when I was little, I would always come. I would always I say come to New York like we're in New York. I would go to New York, and I would stay with my grandmother, and then my dad would come by, and we'd all hang out, and my dad's brother would. He and my grandmother and I, we'd go to the park and, like, eat food and hang out and stuff or go to Coney Island and all those things. So we were we were close, like, as close as, I, I think, right. a, a toddler so. and, a, and an adult man can be. 
<laughs> not like Michael Jackson, yeah, right? Because that's, right. that's close. Yeah, closer. I guess that is. That yeah. Is okay. Close. So, so we were close-ish. What yeah. about your stepfather? Did you ever like resent him? I mean, what was the deal with? Yeah, it wasn't. It, it honestly, it was a weird relationship because after after my after my father died, my my mother and stepfather, we were in Texas and. At some point, a few years after he died, they changed my last name to my stepdad's last name. And they never, like, my mother would never talk about my dad. And if I brought it up, she would get really angry. And, and she did that weird thing. Any picture of the, you together, she would just put a black bar across his <laughs> eyes. No, it's right. like, Dad, Mom, you don't have to do that. Yeah, it's not like, we don't know who he is. <laughs> he he signed the waiver. Who's that, that, uh, uh, who's that guy in the Woody Allen family that's dedicated his entire life to sh- photoshopping Woody Allen out of all family photos. Yeah. Really? It's like an ongoing project. Oh my gosh. It's not, it's like a serious under. Yeah. I don't who I, it's not Ronan. It's no, like, it's one of them that's in software and he's just like taking it upon himself. And he started doing the movies as well. He did that's Annie right. Hall and he totally took Woody Allen out. It's interesting because Annie Hall becomes just about a schizophrenic woman. It's yeah. a very different movie. Yeah. I kind of want to see that version. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's drive. She's riding. Oh no. She's just driving. She's driving under the east under the bridge, tri- yeah. crazy, <laughs> and you just no one is reacting at all. It's just a weird driving scene. That's a hell um, of a that's a hell of a thing to be committed to. <laughs> I mean, it's worth it. Yeah, uh, he's that he's committed. Um, okay, so what did you? Uh, so you resent, so they changed it to Sinak, and then you were like, no, Sinak is actually that's you went my, back. Yeah, I Sinak went back. Yeah, well, and I had to do it. I had to wait till I graduated college. They had told me if I. I had said when I was graduating high school, because I always wanted to change it back out of respect for my dad. And like, I'm junior, he's senior. Like, it's like it's as close as it gets to, oh, yeah, no. It's close to toddler and adult man can get, exactly. name wise. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I was in high school, I remember as I was graduating, I'd said, look, I appreciate all this stuff. I want to change my name back to honor my dad. And they said, Okay, you could do that, uh, but you're gonna have to pay for college yourself. Shut up! And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, then I guess I I'm will keep, keep this. This name sounds good. Actually. That's yeah. fucking that's weird. That does that not strike you as hostile or weird? Oh no, it was hostile. There was a lot. There was a lot of hostility. It's, was that? Where do you think that came from? Your stepdad or your mom? I don't. I, I feel like it's. I feel like it was probably a little of both. I, I, Did I think, they have new kids after you? No, when, fresh, fresher kids. <laughs> yeah. When my when I was thirteen, my stepfather, uh, my stepfather's nephew, who I'd grown up with, he moved in with us, and so he became like my little brother. Got it. Um, but my mother and stepfather never had any kids of their own. So, but he would. Uh, I mean, if people, if we were out in public and people were like, "Oh, your son looks like you," he would never be like. Uh, truth be told actually i'm a i'm a hero this is not my this is not my kid i just decided to uh to take on a kid that is interesting it is like a batman uh uh, definition of heroism where it's like i'm taking you on but also motherfucker if you think you're changing your name i'm i'm not giving you money yeah it's like it's mixed it's it is weird Is, is he still alive stepdad yep have you ever as an adult been like yeah why did you do that I nah, because we haven't. I haven't talked to him in maybe like 
eight or nine years. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> ring the bell. Hold on. Ring a ding a ding a ding a ding a ding. We're like Mark Marin, except we're not subtle about it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, trauma? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. I yeah. We haven't talked. I haven't talked to. I haven't talked to my mother and my father really in yeah a while. Uh, probably yeah eight or nine years, maybe longer. So, well, what's your feeling about that, Neil and Wyatt? I'm curious. Like this idea of of like divorcing from. Uh, you know, there's this idea like I have if I'm not getting what I'm fed emotionally and and spiritually, I the idea that someone I must continue relationships because of a biological link. That's a new idea to say I reject that and, and I'm going to go where I'm getting fed emotionally. Yeah. What do you, I think you and I are similar in that regard. I, I think you and I have similar takes on it and I think we have similar uh, fl- uh, anger issues. With that manifests itself in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I feel like you you need to do the healthiest things for you. And if you're in a relationship that's not a healthy relationship, you know we say that if you're in an unhealthy romantic relationship, get out of the relationship. Yeah. If you have a shitty friend, stop hanging out with a yeah. shitty friend. It feels like the same applies to family to sort of burden yourself with other people's shit if it's making you miserable miserable or unhappy doesn't I, feel right and i and i grew up in a way that my mother my if if my mother was upset with me she would let you know and she was it was a it was a very it was a, it was such a big deal that my stepfather would come to me and say look you're right but just give your mother her way on this. Like, just just do what she says. Just and it was always I used to hear that so much of just like, no, no, you're you're right on this. You're you are correct. But just let her have this. Just and it was like at some point it felt like no, like why why treat an adult like a child and right. let them let them go their whole life being spoiled, thinking everything I do is right and everything I do is good. And if everything you're doing is treating people like shit, then why would you do that? And so for me, yeah, at some point it was like, oh, no, it's not healthy. Got to go. It is interesting where people get derailed in, like mentally and emotionally. Like, that I, like I look around at my friends, you know, not that either of you have kids, but like just the people I know. And I go, you wouldn't do that. You, would, you wouldn't be a, a logicless like monster. <laughs> not that your mom was a monster, but you know what I mean? Like. And then I go, but somebody I know must be. If everybody I know has parents like that, you know, half the people, some one of us it would do that to their Have children. Have you ever had the experience when you are with your friend who has a kid, and you see him interact with your their kid, and you go, "Oh, <laughs> you're gonna be one of those parents." That's fucking weird. Or like, I wouldn't. That wouldn't have been my suggest. I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not excited about this. Well, what I see openly is the parent that's going to destroy their child by treating them like a god. You know, I always say right. in New York City, the uh, the rich people treat their do- their dogs like children and their children like gods. You know, <laughs> but I've seen that demonstratively, but I've never seen like you know, you little monster. You know, I'm I well, just liver. that's all a matter of where you go, right? Um, 
it's also like a poverty level thing as well. No, I mean I hear what you're saying. I mean it's Sometimes. I think well I'll having said that as I hear myself say it there's plenty of like rich people that are like you will fucking get in that car, Steven. As much as there's like Steven. people Steven. yelling at their kids in the street. Poor Steven. Yeah, as much as Fucking Stevie, fucking <laughs> drop that grape juice and come here right now. Yeah, thank you. I will kill you. Thank you for finishing that bit because I didn't. Yeah. Want, I didn't feel like doing a Puerto Rican. I didn't want to. I don't want to paint. I don't want to pick that brush up. I had to do either yeah. Puerto Rican or black, and I don't. I, I Dub Dominguez, you get yeah, in that Dub car right now. <laughs> Dub got treated like like he grew up crazy. That's a oh, whole nother. I don't even. I didn't even need you to tell me that. Yeah. That that just that emanates. Yeah. Um. Okay. You know. Uh, well, that's interesting about the p- parent thing. It's like. What I found as an adult is, and you experienced as a kid, parents don't take notes well. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. They don't, they think that they, I, I actually, the one of the last emails I wrote to my mom was, you know, as much as you espoused us all being responsible people, you take no responsibility for our family. You take no responsibility for your only job. I've said to my mom a number of times, if I was as bad at my job as you were at yours, <laughs> I would be homeless. Um, my, and they don't, she wouldn't respond. My thing growing up, my mom would, the only way we could resolve any, con- my mom was so logicless in her bullheadedness that no matter what she was saying, the whole family could be like this, like you're basically like your t- t- stepdad. The only way we could resolve it is if a therapist agreed with us if a therapist agreed with us my mother would immediately instantly say okay you guys are right and go that direction which became even more infuriating it seems like it would be good because you had a solution right but it became more infuriating because you'd be like i'm the person who loves you and is in your family yeah you don't yeah. listen to me at all and then this stranger this stranger you had and you dealt with a lot of therapists within the family right unbelievable amounts and did you ever go like you know mom i've won 14 cases in a row that didn't (laughs) you couldn't have been talking a a less relatable language to my mom it never would have registered you mean spoken english she was deaf well i feel like with i feel (laughs) i feel like it is a weird thing for parents to recognize their children are more than their children that they are right humans and they are human beings who should be treated with a respect uh, as you would treat anyone else and especially as you get older but i think even early on it is very easy for them to just oh no you're that same little baby like i feel i always feel like whenever i see someone in a movie or hear someone say like a older parent say like you're the same little three-year-old Tony that I always uh, and it's like that sounds like the most disrespectful patronizing (laughs) shit you could say to a person and sad for the kid like wow man you haven't evolved at all you're still you have a three-year-old's mentality mentally you are (laughs) three-year-old yeah my mom yeah my mom always brings that shit yeah so wait so when you saw me get married are you now picturing three-year-old me (laughs) fucking my wife is that what you're well, you did have a beard. Yeah, that's um, true. technically, my mom. Yeah, my mom always brings up like, oh, we used to be, we used to hang out so, so tough. We would hang out all all day. We'd hang out, and it was like I didn't speak English. Like I was, <laughs> like we didn't have that. Wasn't the greatest relationship of my life. Like <laughs> I don't remember it, and I it wasn't like equal. But yeah. even as you guys are saying this, like I'm like reacting from some sort of you know, 
in, in familial guilt. Thing. Yeah. Like I, I, I hear what you guys are saying. It makes logical sense. And I'm still wanting to, re- to like take you to task and go, but there that's your mother. Like where, like at some point, like, I kind of agree intellectually, and then I still have this. Well, I I feel conflicted about it. I always feel conflicted about it. That's always the the conflict that is always there is that, oh, no, I I still have love and appreciation for both these people. And my – but there's shit – they did some shitty things and will not take responsibility for them and – I and I but it is oh no you you only have you know these parents that's all you have and there are moments in my life where I've thought oh yeah I I wish I could talk to my mother about this and then I'm like well not my mother but a mother <laughs> the mother <laughs> yeah. I and, couldn't agree more and that was and I felt that way at a at an early age cuz I I kind of got to a place early where I was like I don't really her I remember that when I was I was working at King of the Hill, and you wrote. He wrote for King of the Hill. I, I wrote for King of the Hill for a few years, and we had gone uh, every year. The show would take a trip to Austin to kind of see Texas, since the show was based there. And the first year I got to go to Austin, I invited my mother and stepfather down. I was really proud because this was the first time I was making money, and so I, you know, even our relationship at that point wasn't. We didn't talk a lot, but I, I've thought. No, this. I, I want them to come down. I'm gonna buy them a meal, and you know, it's like kind of the turnaround, the thank you or whatever. Because as a kid, I was always like, I want a million dollars. I'm gonna write them a check for a million dollars, and I never want to deal with them anymore. <laughs> and that was that was when I was little. That the buyout. Was, you were gonna do the buyout. Yeah, I was gonna. What do you do don't it. know is that your mom would whisper that in your ear when you were asleep. You're like, <laughs> Rich, give me a million dollars. I'll leave yeah. you alone forever. You can have your we name done, back. Man, that's all I need. <laughs> But uh, writing for King of the Hill, it, it didn't give me a million dollars. So I was like, maybe I'll just buy him a dinner. And so I invited him down to Austin. And, and we had a fine time. And, but uh, we had dinner. And at some point, my mother started going on about how she wanted to be my manager. And I was like, what are you talking about? And my stepfather, to his credit, stepped in and was like, well, you know, there there are people who do this. And she was like, no, no, Brandy's mom is Brandy's manager. Great. I, and it's first, a good point. It's a good point. It's a great yeah. point. Yeah. But I, and at first I thought she was joking. And then I realized she was serious and she got really mad that that you wouldn't sign with her. Yeah. That I that I was like, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm going to go. You know who signed with her? Joe Coy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, go where you're getting but, fed, man. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. That's where, and he that got him on. He, she gets him on Chelsea at least once a week. Um, that's your mom's got a real in at Chelsea. Um, did was she she had legit beef about it? Yeah, she because I think both my stepfather and I thought she was joking, and then at some point it became clear she shut down and she kind of she did was the anger that thing. typical of her was that almost predictable behavior does that like line up with the way she was most of her life yeah yeah because it was oh she's not getting her way she but even like uh, like meddling or overstate overstepping or no boundaries uh, i used to have to carry around a cell phone she bought a cell phone for herself when like cell phones were those big things and leather shoe boxes and she would make me carry it everywhere 
and I would have to carry this thing, and she would have people. I remember there was one day I had gone to Six Flags with this uh, with this girl I was seeing, and she told me don't drive to Six Flags, and I was like, okay, I won't. And then I went to go pick the girl up, and she lived kind of across town in Dallas, and so I went to go get her. And then I, she was like, you know what would be romantic is if we both, we just drove, and we drove to Six Flags, and my sister, because we were supposed to go with her sister and her sister's boyfriend, and so I was like, we just drive separately, and we could stop and get food. And I was like, I don't know, my mom. And then she kind of touched me on my leg, and I was like, oh, okay. Fuck my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and then Correction. So I drove, and I guess my mom didn't want me driving on the freeway because I had to take the freeway to get to Six Flags. But drive, get there, it's fine. Go to Six Flags, have a great day. I am driving back, and I'm getting all these calls from my mom. And she's like, where where are you? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm on my way back. I'm, uh, and then this girl's she, touching my leg right now, mom. Yeah. Everything's good. Well, I get back and she's calling frantically and she's like, where, where are you? And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm getting close. I'm close. I'm close. So I get home, drop the girl off. I get home. I walk into the kitchen and everything from my room, like all the stuff that was in my desk drawers has been emptied out onto the kitchen table. And she's like, get in this, get in my room. And she's sitting in her room on the bed with anything I had that was precious to me, I would keep in a briefcase that had a combination lock. She had jimmied that open, had all this stuff out on the bed. Your dildos, your bongs, your dildos, guns. bong, Man. yeah, uh, bong dildos, oh, yeah, 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 the classic, yeah. Um, <laughs> but all these like papers and stuff that like drawings of like because I would draw and so like all my drawings and just like little. You know, anything like report card. By the way, this is you've now got the first and second place horrifying images in Champ's history. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. yeah. Little this boy, is actually little more boy leaving This the is toy. hitting me harder than the dad thing. Yeah. Really? Little yeah. boy leaving the toy. Yeah. We got that. Then we yeah. cut That's quickly. so hacky that I can't <laughs> even. Right. But this is like, fuck. You weren't as so, developed a comedian back then. You no. didn't know how hacky a move that was. <laughs> to leave a toy yeah. at your dead father's apartment. Yeah, I mean, thing that he would come back. You're a very sophisticated comedian. Yeah, now yeah, yeah. Now, you, know, you, now yeah. you don't do at that. 17, I kind of Now you just out. do it with a look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she had all, all this stuff. So come to find out, she had sent someone to go see... That my car was where I had said I'd left it. When it was not there, she called the cops, sure. reported the car stolen to teach me a lesson. Then I guess felt guilt for that. Called the cops, said the car was fine. And then I so had been tracking me kind of the whole way and then used that as an excuse to just go through my things. And I remember at that moment, <laughs> she looked at me. And she was just like, you, your car was supposed to be where you said it was, and it wasn't. And I was like, how did you know? And she was like, I sent someone to go see it. And she was like, you're nothing one but of a- my goons. Yeah, it kind of was. And she was like, you're nothing but a con man. And I remember thinking. The briefcase doesn't help your case, by the way. <laughs> no. Just the fact that you have all your goods in a briefcase. Yeah. But that know, was, I, mean, I kind of, when I was a kid, I was and like. the yellow glow from, yeah. from, uh, <laughs> from Pulp Fiction. When I was a kid, I kind of wanted to be a con man or a spy. And that was actually kind of cool to me and because what was crazy the one the the weirdest part of it was the most damning thing in there she never even noticed 
Which was? I had identification papers from Germany in 1932 <laughs> that you'd moved to the States and started a new life with. Close. Wow. Uh, I, the summer before, had a report card and I had gotten, I think, two C's. And so B's were barely allowed by my stepfather. C's, mm-mm. And I had this report card. And so I, I, it had come to the house early. It was, it was summertime. I saw it. I, I, I knew the seas were going to be there. So I steamed it open. And I then, uh, my stepfather had this laptop. And I, with a word processor, just replicated the report card because they would print it out on school letterhead. And so I replicated the report card, then took it, went to school. And the counselors at school had met my mother. And they like they met my family and they were like, oh yeah, we know. And they just gave me letterhead. Like one of the counselors was like, I know what you're doing and it's fine. And he gave me he gave me school letterhead. Was it Michael Landon from <laughs> Highway to Heaven? <laughs> and it was Scott Bakula, and then he leaped away. <laughs> uh, it was this. Uh, it was this counselor. His name was Mr. Oglesby, and I hope I don't get him fired for that. But uh, that he, is crazy. He gave me school letterhead. I remember when he met my mother, he came to me afterwards and he was like, uh, I understand. Uh, and if you ever need anything. Here's my question. What about your mother was so clear to people that she would, would you call her unstable? Would you call her odd, strange, particular? That's, I don't know. Particular. I think I'd call her particular. <laughs> I like particular. Uh, <laughs> um, I think because she was so controlling, at least maybe outwardly to other people, maybe that's what it was, was that anyone who knew me saw me. And if she was describing me, her depiction of me was so different from the me that other people could what see. What was her depiction of you? I don't know. That's And that's the thing. I don't. I don't really know. I don't know what she said to this counselor for him to come up to me and just say like, if you need anything, I met like, and, and basically just say like, no, I, there's something weird there. If I had to guess, I feel like that counselor and other people saw that like, Oh no, he's a smart kid. He knows right from wrong. He's mature for his age. I think what my mother saw was a little con man. Kind of, yeah. And that, like, danger is always around the corner and we have to we have to surround him. Like, she... That following me was not the last time she had somebody follow me. And there were times... I had friends who would say to me, your mother asked me to report on you. And so there was this treating me like a convict. And I think that perhaps that's what people saw. And and maybe that's what Mr. Oglesby saw, that he was like, oh, yeah, no, this is like she's not treating you with the respect of an individual. She's treating you like a toy and or like some sort of animal that she thinks is like, oh, no, he sits when I say sit and he does this. And it was no, they he, made you change your last name to the dog, right? So your yeah, name was, that was Wyatt the dog. Wyatt the dog, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> your, the movie My Life is a Dog is about it's you. About, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, that's <laughs> why the dog. <laughs> that's, it's, I like it. It's yeah. horrifying, but I like no, it. Uh, yeah, this got dark. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's what. I, but that's what I always find well, interesting Neil, about you is that you have. I don't think they're transparent. I just know you from the couple times we've hung out and talked. You have a dark spirit. I don't know if it's a dark spirit, but you have you and I have the same thing, which is I con, familial interfamilial con, conflict that manifests itself in I fi, I think anger in odd situations, potentially misplaced. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. At least for me, uh, sorry, I'm peeing right now. If you I can doubt get it's that. getting picked up. It, it might be getting okay. picked up. There's a if you I'm hear something in the background, Moshe's making coffee. No, 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 thank Come you. On. I like how you're offering that. You're trying to drag us down into this. (laughs) It's a normal thing to make a cup of coffee in the middle of a podcast. (laughs) I like one. (laughs) That's just you. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, I've always, I feel like on stage, it's it's funny because I think there is. (laughs) I'm sorry. I apologize. Finishing up his diary. I apologize. (laughs) You guys, you guys were right. I was wrong. And isn't that just what you would have wanted to hear from your mother? Yeah. You were right. <laughs> I was wrong. It's true. I made it's a mistake. <laughs> um, no, the darkness. I, I feel like I, I have a darker sense of humor sometimes on stage than people are expecting. Expect, yeah. And which will infuriate me with audience members because it's like, no, this is fine. Like, I, like I've in this in the album that's coming out in April – I talk about my dad's murder and I remember when I started talking about it on stage and people uh, every now and again there'd be I remember like there was one time where this one guy was like oh man that's so and I was like shut the fuck up it's my life like yeah. I'm talking about it I'm oh he was like admonishing you for talking about kinda, stuff like yeah. that on stage and it was just like fuck off like and and I and it's that thing of no I can you know let me say what i want to say and it's fine if i'm talking about it and have found a way to make it amusing then that it's... happened to me one time at, i did one of those ucb improv story things oh like someone yells cat out kind of yeah like yeah. Cat. and the stories i told the suggestions just led me very sure. germanely to the dark place dark places and to the point where like nazi the audience was mad at me and the improvisers were mad at me. I was like, <laughs> I didn't fucking suggest that. That's what I always think. You ever do that show set list? I ever, did it once, yeah. It's funny. Like Sometimes they'll give you a topic. And it, it's just like your brain is literally set list. It's a show for the listeners where they give you a, a, the topic you're supposed to talk about as you're on stage talking about it. They don't give you the topic. They give you like the title of the joke. Of and some, then the game is that you, fig- you figure out a way to make that thing right, funny. Right. So it'll say something like, you know, Jesus abortion or whatever. thing, And then you're doing it. And then when the crowd gets weird, it's like, this is literally not my fault. This is my brain just uh, subconsciously working. It's the slide man's fault. We don't like how you're getting out of the straitjacket. When I did it, the one one of the ones they gave me was George Zimmerman apologist. Right. And then you're. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? And whatever I'm going to do, it, I need a minute. I need a minute to <laughs> sit with that because yeah. my first – and I think the whole time I did that show, I was just like, nope. I'm not doing this show again. Yeah. Uh, this is – you've just taken two weird words and put them next to each other. Yeah. 
that sound a lot. Yeah, that sound like they could float. But yeah, so I find that uh, uh, with in my case, I find that I have weird work relationships sometimes, and I find that I and and I slowly but surely I'm getting better with it over time. Right, but it's not because easy. Of your mother. It's it's because of my family and the way I think that you're supposed to deal with. I literally didn't know that you shouldn't treat everyone you work with like they're standing in your light. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like when oh, your dad's <laughs> believe me, a car, Neil. Right. Neil, I know what you mean. Oh, you know exactly where I'm coming yeah, from. I do uh, know what Neil uh, means. As someone who works with me, <laughs> um, like I didn't know that that's not a great tone for people. Right. I literally thought like, well, I'm the fucking director, so. I'm in charge, and I sh- and then I'm just like no. Like right. in the last year, I've just been like no. That's that's not great. Yeah, you don't got to do that. Like that's just one example of yeah of the of and it's and such a trip to try to deprogram yourself. Yeah, from your own entire mountain of human experiences, it's like almost an impossible task. But it's not even a mountain. It's this eighteen month period uh-huh. when you're a kid, and it's like so much shit gets set there. Yeah, it's like a typesetter. And then you're just like you're just trying to undo this fucking typesetting. I think the most disturbing thing you've ever said on the champs is that you're a child for 18 months. I mean that scares me. Well, or whatever. I it's well, no, two and I mean, a half to four or something. If, after 18 months, you grow a beard. You grow yeah. a beard. <laughs> That's right. You change yeah. your name. You get out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Case. So I find that like so whenever I we talk about work stuff, I'm like, yeah, this sounds familiar. Yeah. This sounds familiar to like conflict with people that like maybe you shouldn't have conflict with that's not going to serve you long term like yeah i i get it yeah i totally get it but it's it's uh it's i also find that's why the the reason i asked you about your mom is because i'm starting to realize when people act a certain way in the last couple months i've stopped being surprised because it's like no, no, no. That's totally within their character. Yeah. I mean, people <laughs> like don't... that's their act. If you're writing them, that's exactly what they would do in that situation. Right. But it takes so long to not go like, what the fuck are you? Do- How did you do that? It's like, no, they've been doing that. Well, your yeah. mother is the ultimate example. Like the, that's a person whose behavior patterns, you know, you know, infused into your, yeah. you know, you know exactly. How, and right. yet my mother consistently shocks me. With even though she's doing exactly what I would have written her to do, I'm still like, how could you be doing this right yeah. now? Yeah, oh yeah. There's yeah. always a wrinkle you can't think of because you're not <laughs> in their true. personality. Yeah. But there's oh, always yeah. like, yeah, that's close. I would have gotten them in that direction. Yeah. Oh no, I I still I don't communicate with them, but I still have an email account that I don't use anymore that they will occasionally write to. And, and how will, and you check it? Do you get alerts? I will occasion, I don't get alerts, but every now and again, I think to your point of still wanting that connection or still like there is that connection there, I will occasionally check that email uh and just and clean it out because there's a lot of other people that email me there. That's where you email me. Um Neil. That's uh, <laughs> Neil and your mom? Yeah. I know. Great. I take it. It's different uh but it's but every now and again and I will read things where I'm just I'm I'm just kind of like yeah it's I should know that I should not be surprised by this but I fucking am. A now, therapist said something very interesting. Go ahead. Well, your I, your mom's email address is wyattmanager at aol dot com. Correct. <laughs> well, at jokoy dot com. Jokoylaughfactory dot com. I a therapist said something to me that I think is 
applies to what you're saying, which is you the it goes back to that Elizabeth Kubler Ross stages of uh, grief that you're constantly doing that in shitty relationships, even if they're living. You're doing denial. You're doing bargaining. You're doing, and then finally, and then you depression, sadness, and then eventually uh, acceptance. Well, love is more is more uh, you know hypnotizing than death because death, at least on some level, you know that the bargaining won't yeah. work, the denial right. won't. You do yeah. know that there's finality there. With love, when a relationship dies, you still have this phantom of that love that still could be. Yeah. I keep waiting for a surprise apology party. Oh, yeah. When I come home, <laughs> I'm waiting for everyone to jump out. Like, I got a list of people. Well, no, that's actually, a, like, one of the big things that I got out of being in 12-step groups for so long. Yeah, I got this from 12-step groups. Yeah, it was this, I, this idea that I will, I can't be a victim anymore. Not, uh, I used to say this when I would speak at AA meeting things. Like, I, like I've been, I'm not a victim anymore. I've been victimized that's happened. But if I'm a victim, what it means is that I'm waiting for you to come to me and apologize for the things you – in order for me to get better, right. I need you to come say, hey, I did this, this, this. I'm right. sorry. And that's the only way I'll get better. And you'll never do that because you're an asshole. And I will or sit around – Or your – asshole's too easy a word. Yeah. That was the bit. Oh, was that the bit? <laughs> Big That's laugh. Where you would get a huge laugh. And, yeah. And tell uh, us your dates again. Uh, <laughs> I'll be doing the Alano do Club. Laugh Boston? Yeah. <laughs> so emotional trauma. Boston, listen. Uh, no, yeah. It's like you can't. It's They're just in their own shit. Right. They won't yeah. come and do it. And even if they will, it won't. So when I'm that that said, if I'm not a victim, I have power to change all of these dynamics. Whether yeah. it's deciding to move on in a relationship or deciding to accept people for the way that they are, and yeah, be there or say closing an email account. Yeah, and I and it's it's funny because I every now and again I'm like I should just fucking close this thing. And I I actually I had I think a week ago I was like, okay, I'm fucking closing this because that's hilarious. I. I I was like, I got an email. I got an email from my stepfather, and I and it was the first time I'd responded to him. In out uh, was he white or black? He was black. He's from Trinidad. He's West. Oh, Indian got as well. it. All right, cool. My mom married. Well, two that West also Indians. goes to um <laughs> that you don't that you don't see a lot of black dudes having anything but glowing reviews for their mom. <laughs> I you know, know what I mean? Which I know, is that's, another way you're an outsider. Oh yeah, no. It's, it's, I see you as an outsider, like racial. It's like you're not like you don't buy into a lot, a lot of black shit. There are ones that you do buy into, but then there's plenty that you don't buy into. Yeah, I mean, I've always felt like outsider is probably a good word. That yeah. like, I've always felt on the sort of fringes of things, and on some level appreciated it because it's allowed me to watch stuff and see things and observe, but. That every, I mean, kids I grew up with and just, you know, their relationships with their mothers and, uh, you know, I'd see like other black kids talk about their mothers and I was, I never felt that. I never, and that's shitty and I'm sure, you know, like somebody in my family may listen to this podcast and they're going to be like. You should have heard that, but yeah. Yeah, but I never, I I never I never had that feeling. I never had that closeness with her in that way. We didn't trust each other. We were it was a relationship that was built on 
her not trusting me and then I in turn didn't trust her. What do you think she would do if you, if she heard this? How do you think she would process this these stories? Like how does how do you think these stories ring to her ear? That's I I don't know. I've I I know how they ring to your mom's ear with ringing. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> That, no, was a, that was a shot of Moshe. I mean, just a that was a shot. I should have prepped that with Moshe. Ad hominem attack on my, deaf, my poor deaf mother. <laughs> just per, de, per, persistent ringing for By years. Way, I just have to say, the reason I was, if you saw me smiling, is because I just, I, oh, I, what you're saying is very sad, but I had this image of you <laughs> pressing deactivate this email account and, and like a error message popping up of your stepfather, who I assume is named Barrington, and it's recording, <laughs> and he goes, are you sure you want to deactivate this account? <laughs> it just can't be done, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I, had a, I had an East Indian doorman in New York named Barrington, oh, and he was like kind of weird and a, kind of a weird hater, Yeah, and, he, and at one time he goes, I'm funny to be. <laughs> it's like all right you're, man you're a doorman baby. yeah uh yeah go ahead man sorry yeah i don't know i don't know how she would react i i have a sense of how she would react in that when i when i said i wanted to stop communicating in our relationship i we had a conversation on the phone i was like i uh we it's not healthy for me i need i need to stop talking to you i'm not happy Every time we talk, it's, I feel miserable. This is really not a good relationship. And it was hard, but she seemed to, she was like, fine. And she was definitely upset. And she got off the phone. And, and you know, she was emotional the whole time. But she got off the phone. She might have called back. And I kind of had to reiterate. And so I was, and I remember that feeling of a sort of sense of relief that I did this thing that I had, thought about doing for years and maybe a maybe a month or two later I was doing a show that I got asked to do it at the Comedy Central stage out here and so it was kind of a big deal you know showcase type of situation so I do the show show uh show goes fine I'm happy about it I'm sitting backstage kind of decompressing and my mother walks backstage. Who lives in Texas? My mother flew from Texas. Whoa. Walked backstage with a big smile on her face as though... It was normal. Yeah, this was a normal thing. And I felt totally violated in that moment. I just started yelling at her. I was just like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. And she's like, she's trying to kind of tamp down my emotion. I'm just like... No, Wyatt, like, uh, you know, don't don't yell right now. Like, and it's just like, and it was like, no, you were not invited to this. Leave. And we and I, we just kind of shouted at each other for a little while. And then she left. And that was that was the last time we saw each other in person. And that was probably, I don't know, oh, five, oh, six. That's you yep, now got three. number one, yep. number two, and number three. Yeah, yeah, number three. Boom! Yeah, yeah, yeah Nailed Most it. Most cinematic images. You've overtaken <laughs> so. MC Search's story about Bushwick Bill. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> search right now is, you just gave Search the gas face. That's how. <laughs> um, you know what's the worst part about that shit is, in my experience, is when you don't feel that stuff for your family or from your family, you feel like a sociopath. Oh, yeah, yeah. You no, feel not- like a sociopath because you're like, what is wrong with me that I'm not feeling this elemental thing? I had a thing I don't know if I've ever talked about on the podcast. 
I I had a thing with my dad, didn't talk to him basically most of my adult life, emailed him at one point. He didn't respond for a year, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then he called me and was like, hey, that email address you sent it to, I never check. He is a, he is a phantom one, like a con man like you does, Wyatt. And, uh, and <laughs> a he, con man address. And, uh, and he goes, I never – so we ended up talking, and I said – I basically said, like, hey, I don't think that you loved us at all. And he said, you're right. I didn't. Shit. Now, that strikes most people as incredibly sad. No. To me, sounds awesome. It's gratifying. Yeah. In that you just go, "Oh, great. I'm not a sociopath. I can feel love. You just weren't you weren't sending any my way." Yeah. Well, and that was the, that's the that's the weird part is when I shut the relationship down, I had cousins and aunts who would call me and say, "Your mother is so yeah. unhappy. Why don't you talk to her?" And I had a cousin who was like, there was a little while when I didn't. I got mad at my dad, and I didn't talk to him, and I regret it. And it was like, I'm not you, and I know that. Like, and yeah. it was, it was, it was really painful in that way to have everyone else basically say like, whatever pain you're feeling is not that bad. Like, what whatever you're thinking is wrong. We like this person is miserable, so let's all again go and. Fix it for fix her. it for her. Yeah. Do Do you feel like Neil feels in like that there was a lack of lovingness? Is that because what I'm trying to synthesize from my own experience? Because I don't have this relation, this kind of relationship with my mother. My relationship with my mother was completely toxic and and a mess. But it was in the exact opposite direction. It was like love to the degree that it was abu- It was abusive. You know, it was like. I couldn't tell you the amount of times my mother said I love. She would you hug you day. until you passed out. Correct? Kind of a thing. She well, my mother would do that too. She yeah. was very much. She was very much like I love you. I love you so much. The moment she was mad, she wouldn't say she loved me, and she mm. would stop talking to me for a week. Right. But everything else was I love you. I love you. I love you. And it was mushy. But again, it was you know it was uh, the uh, it was that thing of. Yeah, I I love you if you I act you. this yeah, way. Yeah, well, that's I the thing about I love my glass menagerie. Yeah, that's I I would always tell, and I I I went to see therapists uh, at at various points, and I would say it feels like I'm a thing in a curio cabinet, uh-huh. and that's what it feels like. And it's yeah, and if I'm not that thing, I have no value, and that's and it always it always felt like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's the yeah. There's a lot of talk. It, it's I, it doesn't even sound like a mental health issue. It sounds like a familial system issue. You know what I mean? Like it's not your mom's not bipolar. She's not. It's just like that's just okay. She, uh, you're giving me a look. Maybe uh, maybe she is bipolar. I don't. I don't know. I, yeah. my, my stepfather once said she was. Got it. But he said it. It's a way of defending. Uh, I was, I dated a girl in college who was really emotional, uh, to the point where like her emotions would turn on a dime. And then one day I found her hiding in my closet in my dorm room and not in like a sexy way. Uh, (laughs) Impossible. We had, we had like gotten, she just like flipped a switch and got really mad and started screaming at me and I didn't know what to do, so I left the room, and then 
I heard like my door slam and I heard the door of the suite slam. And so I was like, oh, good. She left. Like uh, she'll cool out and we could talk about this. And I went back into the room and I'm like, something feels weird in here. And I open. I had two closets in the room in the dorm room. And I opened one. And I'm like, okay, she's not there. And I check under the bed. And I'm like, she can't be in this other closet because that's where my dirty clothes hamper is. And I open it, and she's sitting there in the dirty clothes hamper. She got in some, the hamper. In the hamper. She kinda, got some of your drawers over her head, <laughs> just sniffing. Well, she was, she was kind of laughing, and she was like, I, uh, when I was a little kid, I used to hide in my parents' hamper, and I caught them having sex. And then I had to trick her into going to student psych where they were like, yeah, we think she has disassociation. Uh, and I had to like extricate myself from that situation. But I, I was like, I need to talk to somebody. I call. I was like, I need. Who do I talk to? And I called my stepfather, and I was like, this thing is going on. And he was like, Why is she just playing a game with you? Just tell her to stop, and she'll stop. And I was like, No, I went to student psych. They think she has dissociation. They think she might be. Uh, the guy across the hall is a psych tech, and he said he thinks she might be bipolar. And he was like, Why? All girls are bipolar. <laughs> well, yeah. this is number four right now. This is not already number four. This is chilling. Yeah, Your yeah. stepfather just like, She's stepdad she's, she's got a knife she's literally pushing it into my flesh all women, hey, women knives, do man. this at times yeah. you know? no, that's, and he was like all girls are bipolar your mom's bipolar and oh, I was just man. like I don't know if you're saying that to say it or if that's what you really think but there's enough going on that happened in my childhood and in my household that okay yeah I I could see where one could make a case yeah and also this troubles me that if you think that, but you're also still telling us, like, do what she says. Yeah. What is your dating life like How, in regard to all this? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I've been reading a lot about modeling. Not mo- not fashion modeling. But that modeling, too, right? Of, well, I always keep a modeling book <laughs> around the house. Um, about uh, basically psychological modeling that you can't... You get modeled based on what's around you. And so it goes back to the typesetting thing of like undoing that, and it's taken me a lot of work to even yeah. get anywhere near health. I don't think I'm there yet, but I, I'm trying to. Do you ever have that experience when you're like you're dating someone and you go, like, oh my god, I'm like a fucking cliche. Like I'm, this is my mother. I'm so psychologically hacky. It goes back yeah, to that exactly. thing. Like, oh, yeah. I could possibly be doing that thing where I'm. <laughs> So on the nose on this. Right. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, I am totally on the nose. Well, that's why it's on the nose. Because right, it's yeah. literally the fundamentals of human behavior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I I think all relationships, it's and it goes back to patterns, I think. Yeah, in relationships with women, it's they're definitely a fair number of high anxiety-inducing stress, like, Okay, yeah, this person is doing something kind of nutty, like hiding in my closet. Uh, And even when I dated that girl, there were things that happened long before hiding in the closet that I never, I never was, I was just like, okay, this is crazy, but I'm going to keep at it. Yeah. And and I've, I've definitely had my fair share of relationships in my adult life that, Okay, this situation is a little weird, and I'm gonna. I'm. I know. I and I've and I've said to myself, I know it's bad. I know it's. I know it's triggering whatever that 
feeling that it that high anxiety feeling I had with my family is. But I like but, it. But it's that's the blanket. That's the quilt. That's like yeah, the, that's nothing the childhood. feels more comfortable than that discomfort. Yeah, and so it has been this. It has been this challenge to try to. Okay, I need to stop doing that, and I need to. I need to try to create something better and i've and i feel like i've been trying to do that but i still i still have those pitfalls and and then i think on the other side of it too it's like work stuff or you know i think in my like with bosses if i have like whether it's a boss or a manager or somebody like that i always look for paternal figures and so i'm always even in comedy it was always like oh i you know, you're my new daddy. Yeah, I want my comedy. You don't know it, but you're not, you're my new daddy. Yeah, and it was and it was that thing of like, oh no, I you know, this is my new comedy dad, I, and <laughs> Mine is that's l- the word. You no comedian should be. And then they don't, dad. and they don't know it, and then you end up getting mad at them for not doing their duties as your comedy dad. Meanwhile, they never fucking agreed to it. Right, yeah. Right. And then you just end up resenting them because, like, you were supposed to pick me up right, yeah. <laughs> at that open mic and you never came. Mine is Lavelle Crawford. Well, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... it's it's it, The thing that I have with my uh, mom is the... is It goes back to the acceptance thing. It's There's a thing in the 12-step program which is you don't go to the hardware store to buy oranges. It's like you're going to your mom is a hardware store and you're going there to buy oranges. And my thing is like, yeah, but she keeps she has a sign in the window that says I <laughs> sell oranges. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I get I get mad because she's not doing that. It's like, yeah, it's like, well, if she stops, she's never going to. No. She thinks she sells oranges. Yeah. And then I go, hey, are there can I? Hey, are there any oranges? She goes, yeah, I'll be right back. And then just never comes back. <laughs> She goes in the back, and then oranges she never come. A bag of nuts and bolts. Yeah, and I got scurvy. I got scurvy, yo. Yeah. That's my way <laughs> yeah, of saying. I need oranges. I got scurvy, yo. Um, Mosher, any other psychological? Well, this has been a deep. This has been a deep. This is yeah. actually what uh, Questlove says about the champs, which is black guys get to talk psychologically in in a venue that they don't in other media. That Tanahisi Coates, the writer who I got in a flame war with online uh, that, that Wyatt ended up brokering a bit of a peace deal. Oh, you were involved in that? <laughs> I tried. He gave me the, he gave me his email. Uh. But the thing was, it was basically, we just learned like, there, or I learned that like, there's no, there's no arguing with a pundit because it's like trying to talk a comedian out of a bit. Yeah. It's like, no man, this gets laughs. Right. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but it's not true. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It gets laughs. I'm going to keep doing this bit. Well, and it's also everyone, and I think that's even with like family stuff, is the realization that everyone has their truth. And yeah. Yeah. This is my truth, and as it affected me, I'm sure, and I know for a fact that, you know. Your mom is coming on next week. So yeah, good. Get, uh, <laughs> I can't wait to hear that one. I can't. Well, we, we only do people who are in the entertainment industry, and your mother your technically mother does count. <laughs> she does count. She's a powerful manager. Yeah, no, it is just accepting that, okay, that's who they are. Yeah. And no amount of – when I was emailing back and forth with Tenahisi about – he basically shit on me for whatever. It's a, Google it. But when, I, when we were emailing back and forth, I made a number of good points, and he would never acknowledge them just because well, he couldn't. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's like and then a, at a certain point, I go, okay, why am I trying to 
I can't. This guy literally isn't going to acknowledge any of this. So why am I bothering? Well, and it's it was funny because I think on both sides, I I talked to I was the I was the yeah. in between on it, and so I I talked to him and said, oh, you know, Neil uh, Neil's reaching out to you, and then he kind of wrote back and was like what's uh you know what's the story with him and so then and i didn't know at first what was i i didn't know what was going on then i i caught up and so he kind of made points that he was making to you to me and then i was kind of going back with like well i think you know i think maybe you're seeing him you're seeing his statements as not the statements of a comedian you're seeing them as you you know, would take anyone's statements. Right, as a politician. Or, like, I was, like, a race-baiting right. guy. And, and so, so you were... It was funny, because he was in a tough position why it was a black dude and a comedian. Yeah. Right. So it was like, as a black dude, you're kind, Neil's kind of fucked up. Uh, you could... inter. I could interpret what Neil's saying as fucked up, but as a comedian, I agree with what he's saying. Yeah. Artistically. And, and, and also... And so, yeah, I think... I was talking to him on that level and I think even to something you were saying earlier, Moshe, like he would seed things to me that I think he didn't seed to you. Oh, that's fascinating. And, oh, there you go. And I think vice versa, there are things where I think you and I talked where we kind of talked about just the idea of someone who is a writer who is paid for their opinion and, you know. They get paid per outrage. And they and, and it is true that a person at that level of, of writing, which is. This like, guy, again, I, I've talked about the guy on the podcast. Oh, no, Tom Hussey's great. And he's a great writer. Yeah, but it's like a, it's a very contemporary kind of writer. It's a very now sort of. Yeah. Those people, you know, that are, that are the young, hotshot, you know, sort of internet era journalists, they really can't be like. I fucked up with. I made a m- mistake. It's not a. It's sort of. It is similar to being a comedian. You can't really show weakness in that way because of the style of writing is so bombastic. And, right. Yeah. The only like, way you can show weakness is with a four thousand word mea culpa. That's actually not a mea culpa. <laughs> <laughs> you had. A, will you tell the story of like that that list serve that you were on with all those people? Oh yeah, yeah. I I got part of the reason. So I I met Tanahasi. We met via email because I had read his book, uh, A Beautiful Struggle, which is an amazing book. And to me, was a it was a memoir of his youth that kind of spoke to mine where I was like, oh, no, I relate to a lot of this as just being a black kid growing up, uh, going to high school and sort of the just all the things you struggle with and I so I wrote to him uh, to say I really enjoyed the book and then he and I kind of went back and forth on email and then he invited me to join this listserv that was kind of uh it was just a lot of like black thinkers man and Neil and I want on that listserv so bad <laughs> I never listen to this story I don't I actually don't when I heard it <laughs> and so I so you know I, who doesn't want us on it everyone on the oh, listserv has this zero whole podcast interest. has been an experiment to try to get on that list that it's we didn't audition. even know existed when we started yeah, we it. just we just way. did this we knew there was something out there for us <laughs> but i remember going i remember i you know I, i'd read things and i'd kind of every now and again i would i would jump in and and it's just a long running co- argument slash yeah and it would be between and people Melissa would bring up Harris different Perry topics and is everybody young 
Yeah, they're they're all you know they were writers, they were professors, they were bloggers, and but like Felicia Rashad's not on there. No, she's okay. got a different blog. Okay, yeah, she's yeah. got a whole different list. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so there were all these people on it, and sometimes we get on topics. You know, it, it, they would vary, and so anybody could sort of throw something out. And I remember getting into it. Uh, there was some there was something we were talking about, and I guess it was like. I guess it was drugs and and I had said whatever my opinion was and this guy came back at me in this really patronizing way and just kind of saying things to me as though he were talking to a five-year-old and I wrote back and I was like look you don't have to be don't patronize me like everything you're saying is the stuff I said like you didn't even read what I said don't patronize me. And then he kind of came back with more fire. And at that point, I hit a I hit a point of outrage. And it's it's the difference between I just didn't I'm not part of the internet world in that way. I hit a point of outrage where we went back and forth to a level where I felt like, okay, now we have to fight. Uh. Like <laughs> I ha- like I don't I don't know. You don't talk shit to people back and forth and talk shit. And patronize somebody three times in a row in email and just think you can get away with being snarky and shitty. Like and and I was at the time I was like, okay, do I book a train to DC to go <laughs> kick the shit out of this dude? And the woman I was seeing at the time who knew him was like, That's just like leave no, he's just an asshole. He's a fucking shitty guy who he's internet tough and he fucking talks shit yeah, on the man. internet and that's and and he's a big writer. I you told me his name. I don't you don't have to say, it, but he's a he's a well known yeah. writer. Yeah, I mean that. I feel like there are these internet pundit like motherfuckers. Somebody needs to write. Yo, by the way, it's like that scene in in Goodwill Hunting. You know when he goes, he does all this smart, you know, blah blah blah. And then he goes, by the way, we could just step outside. I, I'll pop you in the fucking mouth. Like somebody needs to yeah. say there are physical threats. I'm a man right. still. <laughs> I'm over here. I'm out here trying to function. But it's it's also this level of the the level of sort of ang you know just whatever that thing is it's whether it's anger or rage you're putting into your writing you're doing it in a way and it's not just pundits it's like you see it over the internet all the time where people are just like they just get internet tough and they talk a big game and it's like no, at some point you talk a big game and you either you expect the other person to back down or buck up. And it's there is but that doesn't exist in the internet. Yeah. There is no back down or buck up. Well, and there's it, back down where it's like, "All right, fine, fuck you" or whatever or yeah. like but there is no buck up. Like I see it I I always get weirded out when I see it on Twitter where somebody somebody who has a ton of followers like some somebody starts trolling them. And then they send their horde of followers yeah. to go just send shit, just overflow this person's Twitter feed. And it's just like, no, like this is all like this is all these like we're just throwing virtual rocks at each other. Yeah. And if you were to run into this person in the street, would you really be that? Would you really take it there or would you just kind of be like, hey, man, what's going on? Like that's I I remember I. I saw, I actually talked about this on uh, the first time I ever did Marin's podcast. Uh, and it was just this little story where I saw Sean Hannity and Keith Olbermann 
at a Yankee game. And together, not together. They okay. were, but they were sitting in the same section. They both had really nice seats, and they saw each other. And they started pulling out their camera phones and taking pictures at each other. Like, ha Look how funny this is. There's Hannity at the game, and it's like you guys have talked so much shit about each other, yeah, and been so like, just like that guy is wrong. That this moment right here should be you should be fighting. You should be fighting, and the fact that if you're you were not, really about your shit, you would be fighting. I, and that's yeah, and the fact that you're not yeah. tells me that everything you stand for is bullshit. Is fucking grandstand. It's wrestling. I learned that at the correspondence dinner where you're like, wait, Rupert Murdoch and Sean Penn are three feet from each other. Yeah, in the but same I mean, room wait. to line up to meet Obama, and it's it, like, no, 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 no. This one of you's faking. Wait, yeah. Can I just be the devil's advocate? It, and maybe the bitch made devil's advocate. <laughs> but isn't there a thing that says in evol- evolved people, like that instinct, which I relate to, to be like, I'll, I'll just pop you in the mouth. How about that? How about we settle it like that? Is a sort of, you know, a more animalistic one. And then if you're in, if you're, if you are an intellectual or whatever, then everything is, can be solved. Me and Wyatt logic. would like to get to where you are. No, I'm not saying I'm not there. <laughs> we didn't have the parenting. <laughs> I'm not there. I bet I've been in a physical fight more recently than either of you. But you know, what do you, when's the last time you were in a fight? Oh, I haven't gotten a physical fight in my adult life. Oh yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, but I'm not but saying. I, but an I'm animal. Not, you're an animal. When you fight, you feel like, oh, I'm an animal. But I'm, I'm not, not. I'm not even saying. I'm not even saying it has to go to fisticuffs. I'm saying if. Sean Hannity and Keith Oldman are in the same room. The fact that neither one of them would go up to each other, the fact that Sean Penn, and and not that you should go up to somebody and just be like, hey, I don't like what you do. Yeah. But it feels like if the two of, if. They both were fine with it. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and I guess, and maybe it goes back to, it goes back to the family thing that it's like, why would I be in a room with somebody who makes me miserable? Yeah. One of us should leave the room. And that's what I did with that listserv was, no, this makes me miserable. I'm out. Right. And yeah. I because I don't want to feel like I need to fight some dude who's being patronizing on the internet, but it also seems like if you have this belief system of yours and you truly stand for it and there's somebody else who also they stand for the opposite, it feels like I like I don't want y'all to fight, but it feels like at the very least I would hope that you that you all would say, "Hey, you know what? I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. Maybe without the cameras, you want to sit down and chop it up and just talk and maybe I can be a more empathetic person and try to see right. your side of it and, you know, maybe that to me that's the thing that I'm not saying fight, but it also feels like talk but like yeah. figure it out. Even as you're saying that, there is a part of my brain that's going, "Honestly, there is something good. It would be something good if 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 keep Keith Oberman or whatever walked over to Sean Hannity and just popped him in. I mean, there's something real about that that's actually human. And I don't just mean like on a hell yeah world star level. I'm like, <laughs> I would love world it works star. on that level. It I works would love for level. world star to have that fight. Yeah. Did you ever, <laughs> did you ever see him? That dude? See in the streets? No, I've never. You never caught him in the streets? No, nah, he lives in DC. And I'm what would never. you do if he was here right now? If he was here right now, I would say, hey man, that thing you did was really disrespectful and. You know, you are the reason that I dropped out of that thing. And he might be like, cool, I didn't want you in that thing anyway. And it's like, all right, okay, well then, I guess that's where we stand. I hope we yeah. don't see each other again. Right. But it wouldn't, yeah, it's not, it's not, I, I, 
it's it's always to me it always feels like I would rather resolve it. Like there's some there's some there's some lady who got pissed at me on Twitter and just spent like an hour just writing just vile shit. And there was a part of me that thought about just reaching out to be like, look, this is I, I had to throw her out of a show, and I was like. This is why I threw you out of the show. You were drunk and you were disrespectful from the moment you walked in. And then you said some anti-Semitic stuff. And I'm then, on your team now. I- and then when people told you to be quiet, you you misconstrued what they said because you were drunk, because you had been disrespectful from the jump. And you stood up and tried to take your earrings off. And at that point, you could have come to me and said something, but you didn't. You decided to take it to this next level and and I was like and I really wanted to like reach out to her and say that and I was like ah and and at some point I kind of recognized and other people said it they were like don't engage her because she has a truth she believes in and her truth was that somebody said something disrespectful to her right she got up and decided to take it there and then I threw her out uh, of a show and it was my fault and so and and it was like yeah she's i'm i'm not gonna yeah it's never that thing about oberman slapping sean hannity you don't that it wouldn't be good no it's like no it would be satisfying in a primal level but you know you'd lose her you can't right it's like i learned like you can't yell at people i've never fucking been like Yo, I'm so glad I yelled at that person. Yeah, I know. It's right. just, yeah, you just fucking lose. No. Just, they just then catch you out there. Then there's a universal truth, which is that this is just some random fool with like 15 yeah. Twitter followers. It's right. just like, well, who even cares? And that, was, and that was kind of the end of it was people saying like, look, this is, you're just going, even if you think going and trying to make peace on this one, it'll help you feel better about it because you don't like the feeling of somebody being angry because it goes back to this rooted thing of your 18 month old DNA Mm -hmm. that you don't like when people are mad at you don't like you're just going to try to placate somebody but the way that their truth is and the way that their their truth works is you already tried to explain it to them Mm -hmm. and they flipped out and they were still flipping out on you on Twitter as a result of that and that's even if you make it put any other olive branch forward, they're gonna construe that as like, right. oh, as he's only doing this because of this. Da, da, da. Right. And so it's, at some point, it's like, oh yeah, no, it's easier it's easier to ignore a fly than to swat at it. Right. And that's that was kind of the thing that I I was just like, you want to know how you really could resolve it with her? You break into her apartment, she's not around. Hide leave a little toy. You're right. <laughs> yeah, fuck, we, we got our, God damn, got, we got our bits I crossed. I got your fucking peanut butter and your chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, that was why. That was great. That was great, uh, Good to see you, brother. Yeah, good to see you guys. Thank and, you, man. Uh, that yeah. was awesome. All right, man. Bye. Yeah, in slum national underground thunder pounds when I stop the ground. Like a million elephants, a silverback orangutan. You can't stop a train. Who wants some? Don't come unprepared. I'll be there. But when I leave there, better be a household name. Weather man telling us it ain't gonna rain. So now we sitting in a drop top soaking wet. In a silk suit trying not to sweat. In summer socks without the net, but this will be the year that we won't forget it. One nine, nine, nine. I don't know anything goes. Be what you wanna be. Long as you know 
consequences are given for living the fences. Too hot to jump in jail. Too low to dig, I might just touch hell. Hot, get a life, now they on sale. Then I might catch you a spell. Look at what came in the mail. I'm scared less arm and hammer. So go grilling a baby mama. Black hair lacking a pack of peppers. Stack of questions with no answers. Cure for cancer, cure for AIDS. Make a nigga want to stay on tour for days. Get back home, things are wrong. When not really, it was bad all along before you left ass up to a ball of power. Thoughts at a thousand miles per hour. Hello ghetto, let your brain breathe. Believe there's always more. Ah! Don't pull the thing out unless you plan to bang. Bombs on my bad now you're fucking with the champs. Uno, dose, trace, it's on. Did you ever think of pimp rock a microphone like that? There, boy, Why? and we still stay street. Big things happen every time we meet. Like a track team crash, ain't dying to geek. Outcast bumping up and down the street. Slam back, Cadillac by five. Nigga D, 75 MCs. Freestyling to the beat, cause we get crunk. Stay drunk at the club. Should've bought an ounce, but you caught the dub. Should've held back, but you throwed the punch. Supposed to meet your girl, but you packed the lunch. No D to the U to the G for you. Got a son on the way by the name of Bamboo. Got a little baby girl for a year, Jordan. Never turn my back on my kids for them. Should've hit it, hit it, quit it. Quit it. Rag top. Before you re up, get a laptop. Make a bend for yourself, boy. Set some goals. Make a Fat dime out of dusty cold. Record number four, but we on the roll. Hold up, slow up, stop, control like Janet. Planet stake only, it's only a moving like floor. Come straight to Florida. Lock all your windows, then block the quarters. Put it up on bell, cause the weapon's in order. Like a three-piece fist before I cut your daughter. Your kettle talk a bell, then I hit the border. Pity Pat rapper trying to get the five. I'm a microphone fiend trying to stay alive. When you come to ATL, boy, you bet not high, cause the dungeon family go ride. Ha, ha. Don't pull the thing out unless you plan to bang. Bombs on my bad Don't even bang unless you plan to hit something. Bombs over Baghdad. Ah, yeah. Don't pull the thing out unless you plan to bang. Bombs over Baghdad. Yeah. Don't even bang unless you plan to hit something. Bombs over Baghdad.